Hi, everybody. And welcome to That's Life, the show where we are not above screaming at the top of our lungs when we see a rat in the subway. Good afternoon, folks, and thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 2 p.m. as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. We are coming to you from the home of the Nachum Siegel Network here on the beautiful Lower East Side. I mean that wholeheartedly. What's up, Avram? How's it going? Uh, thank God. Uh, I've been rat-free today, so that's nice. Well, I have to say, I'm not bothered by them on the tracks, but when I come into New York and it's 5 in the morning, they are quite brazen and they are all over the platform, yes, etc. that's where they but, were. But people might be still eating lunch, so let's not go into too much detail. Okay, so then I shouldn't tell the whole story that evolved? Well, if that is your story for this week. It is my story for this week. <laughs> All right, so we should think twice about it? <laughs> Shoot, it was, I mean, listen, the bottom line is is it's just making fun of me, as usual, as I do with such grace. I like to mock myself, but... Um, Maybe you could replace uh, rat with caribou. Um, <laughs> well, I would not have necessarily uh, used a total stranger as a human shield against a caribou, but I did if duck... If it was charging? But I did duck behind a complete stranger, grabbed him on the side, and said, Please do something about the rat! And he looks at me, he's like, lady, they're not afraid. I said, well, can't you, like, stomp your foot? Or, like, say, he goes, rats are not afraid. And then this guy that he was talking to on the other side of the platform starts screaming at me, you afraid of the rat? And I'm like, I am terrified of the rat. And, of course, um, the usual or the normal New Yorker response would be to take pictures on your iPhone and post them on Instagram, which is what five people were, like, circled around or as they walked by the rat who was just, yeah, really not afraid. Brazen is the word. Um, they were taking pictures and then walking on by. I'm like, okay, I can. Do, and I really screamed. I mean, I screamed, which post Boston was pretty stupid to do um, in a subway. And I, yeah, it was. I would say it's not one of my finer moments. But the truth of the matter is that this is what I. This is how I am with things that scurry. I'm not into the scurrying things, whether it's those water bugs that. Well, then the city's people. not a place for you. I know. By the way, this is like the second time in my life I've ever seen a rat on the subway. And one was in the tracks. This is the first time it was like, you know, hanging out on the subway oh, looking I at the board. I see them all the time. Are you serious? Yeah, all the time. Shnasty. Yes. Oh. I'm not really so brave. Like I said, when they're when it's oh, close, I'm not brave. I'm not brave. I, I, whatever, I don't scream or whatever, but I cringe a little or I, you know. Oh, no. I screamed. And not only did I scream, but I was the only one like on the platform, not wearing a coat. Like, I already, everyone's wearing their dark coats and whatever, because even though New York has gotten closer to spring, it's still cool outside. Yeah, it's chilly. It was yeah. chilly this morning. Right, but I'm uh, in denial, so I'm still wearing sandals and, like, brightly colored sweaters. So I, al- I already looked different than everyone <laughs> else, and then I screeched at the top of my lungs. And as I walked by the rat, which took all of the kayach I had in my body, I muttered to myself, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. <laughs> so these three Asian women who they may or may not have understood what I was saying to myself or whatever were laughing at me and pointing. And I I wish I cared. I wish I cared. But I'm I'm deathly terrified of these things. So yeah, if I spoiled your lunch, I'm really sorry, but I hope by two o'clock you're already done. Anyway, uh, if you're a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in, and I hope I didn't totally turn you off with that whole rat story. If you are a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, do what HaKadosh Barbecue's Ari White does. Please friend me on Facebook. You can send me an invite on LinkedIn. You can also shoot me an email, Miriam at NahumSiegel.com. As you know, I will not respond to you during the show. Not being rude. I am being honest. 
but I will make sure to please God get back to you afterwards. Please also make sure to follow us on Twitter, Nahum Siegel Net. That is all one word, Nahum Siegel Net. Let's go to our favorite segment because we have a packed show today and I have three interviews and everybody's like, yeah, you're already tight on time. Let's do this. But I got the story in already. Doesn't that count? No, you're not proud of me. Okay, fine. Fine, fine, fine. Let's see how the whole thing comes together. By the way, I'm already short on fortune cookies for those of you who uh, want to make a donation. I need some fortune cookies. All right, let's go. Your desire to protect the people around you is appropriate. Well, you're a mom and stuff. I was about so. to say, appropriate? It's, I mean. Yes, it's appropriate. All right, that's. If you want, I can write my own fortunes and stuff them into the other baked goods that we have around the office. Yeah. And then in coming weeks, you can just smash the baked goods and take <laughs> the paper they get harder? <laughs> they get crunchier? I would like, you know what would be nice, Avram? If you just started making me fortune cookies. Well, I'll, I'll ask Toby if she can, if she knows how and she can show me how. Knowing Toby, she does. Well. She's a genius. No, no stereotypes or whatever, but no, she can make, she makes the, you know the chicken things that they have with sweet and sour chicken in Chinese restaurants? Yes. She recently learned how to make them exactly like that. And she's amazing. And she also makes homemade lo mein, which is not exactly like in the restaurant, but super close. By the way, I wasn't being I wasn't being stereotypical. You're being stereotypical <laughs> right now. But I you know, it's like um you can make Jewish jokes if you're Jewish, but you can't make Jewish jokes if you're not Jewish. Is that this kind of a thing? Well she learned how to make sushi from some dude from America, so <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a little bit ironic, but we'll take it. Anyway, let's take care of some business. Today's national holidays. It is mariachi week. I know, right? We should do something. But it's still Sphere. We are still in Sphere format, even though, please God, I'm expected and looking forward to hosting JM and AM tomorrow morning while Nachum is out. Um, while I'm allowed to cover some regular non-Sphere music because it is Arab Shabbos, I do not think that mariachi qualifies. It is also Fiddler's Frolic Week. Yeah, not not sure how many fiddlers are frolicking outside, but if I find one, I'll let you know. It is National Pie Championship Week. Score. We don't have any pie. It is Sky Awareness Week, in case you were unaware, says Yael Lassen. If you are unaware of the sky, please take note. I don't understand. Um, it is Bob Wills Day. He was a or he was a Western swing musician and songwriter. And it is also Take Our Daughters and Sons to Work Day, which I can tell you that Avrami and I did not participate in because we are here sons' children. But since I often work from a home office, oh, that's true. So for me, it's very often have my kids at uh, at work day. Right, and uh, for me, it is incredibly rare because it's a ninety-minute commute here into the city. And uh, thank God they're in school. It is also uh, National. Safety Safe Kids Week, which was an initiative started by Johnson and Johnson in 1988, I think it was, um, and that actually leads us to our theme for this for today's show, which I don't usually do, but we're going to talk about amazing kids, cool kids, amazing kids, and how to take care of our kids, which leads us to our first guest, Marjorie Marciano is the Deputy Director of Safety Education and Outreach for New York City's Department of Transportation. And she is the leader of New York City's Coalition for Safe Kids as we celebrate Safe Kids Week. Hello, Marjorie. Hello. How are you? Thank you so much for joining me. I know you have a crazy day, and I appreciate you taking the time to be on with our listeners. My pleasure. So tell me something. Uh, I, From what I read, um, Safe Kids Week started in 1988 as an initiative by Johnson & Johnson, to promote safety awareness amongst parents and communities about things that we should be doing or maybe we don't know about how to make our kids safer. Correct. So 
one of the things that I noticed is that there are a lot of different activities that are available in communities in celebration or in education of the week. What are some of the things that are available in New York City? Well, um, we're going to be doing an event on May 18th, which is Safe Kids Day. It's the Safe Kids Day across the country. And at that event, it's going to be in Manhattan on 14th Street and 9th Avenue in one of our pedestrian plazas. We're going to be talking to families about being prepared for sports, getting their kids you know, ready to play sports, to prevent injuries, to warm up first. We'll have fire department people there to talk about fire safety in the home and smoke detectors and CO detectors. We're going to have someone from the Poison Control Center talking about um, poison lookalikes, not to get mixed up between things mm. like um, mistelin cleaning, you know, uh, cleaning stuff and um, Gatorade cherry right. soda right. and... You know, we'd be talking about bike helmets and why we should be wearing them. And we're going to have some raffles. We are getting some helmets donated by Bellevue Hospital that we'll be raffling off and some other things as well. So that's, you know, our big event for Safe Kids Week is to do that event and to share this information with families about preventing injuries. But we also do things, you know, all the time, like car seat checks for families so they can make sure their seats are installed correctly and learn how to do it. We talk to pregnant and new moms about safety, you know, safety from the start, right. safety at home and safety on the road. There were actually um, actually two things you just mentioned tipped off exactly what I was going to what I was going to mention. Number one, there's a, there's a cleaning product that is like a pine saw kind of used product called Fabulous or Fabuloso. Fabuloso, and, yes. Right, and it's it's purple. And every time I see it, I'm like, it's Gatorade. And um and it, it's such a it, it it scares me. I mean, it is something that either I keep on a very high shelf or I keep under a lock, you know, in a locked cabinet. And I am sure that there are plenty of people who think I'm just being paranoid. But uh, you know, my paranoia is to a certain extent. I think that I have standing here. I think you have a lot of standing yeah. because that's exactly what we tell people to do is to store things up high because kids, even though we have cabinet locks, kids are pretty smart and maybe right. it gives you an extra couple seconds before they figure it out right. to get them out of the way of, you know, we store these things under our sink and right. that's where kids love to play and that's just at their level. So, you, know, you know that those child locks are really parent locks because yeah, I, I can't exactly. open them. <laughs> right. And the other thing was about the car seats. I am constantly stunned by how many people have their car seats installed improperly. Yeah. It's, it's scary. It, it is. It, but it's, it's not such an easy thing to do because car seats are different and cars are different. And it's actually, we, you know, have a four-day training where we teach people to become a certified car seat technician. Wow. So, and then even at the end of the four days, they'll say to us, wow, it should have been longer. We need more time. We need more practice. But we do have... Um, Fitting stations in every borough in New York City and families, it's a free service and families are very welcome to come. We have appointments during the week that you can make. By, and if you call 311 or if people call 311 and ask about car seat checks at DOT, then they'll be connected to the right place and find out about getting their seat checked and learn how to install it themselves and how to put their baby or child in it correctly. A friend of mine who lives on Long Island actually went to a police department. She made an appointment at the police department, and they properly installed her car seat and taught her how to do it as well. And it was literally like a one-on-one. And it, forget that it wasn't an inconvenience. Like the police department had that um, that service available 
which I thought was absolutely remarkable. I mean, you bring home, you take that car seat from Toys R Us, and then you become a parent, and then, you know, yeah. there, there are so many things that you learn on the go as a parent, but I, I remember putting together our infant carrier for our oldest, and my husband, who's an attorney, looks at me and he goes, I have to go back to graduate school. I have no idea how to do this. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. Well, we do it. Everyone in my office who is a car seat tech loves doing it. In in New York City, um, the police department is not involved in it uh-huh. or fire department, which, you know, outside of New York City, we see a lot of police officers and firefighters, but not here. Right. It's mainly the DOT inspection stations, and we spend at least a half hour with each family, and it is one-on-one. Wow. And we all really, I mean, our technicians and our, and the families all love it. So it's a great service. What about, um, what about child seats or, 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 um, those additional seats that people put on, on bicycles? Do you guys help with that also? With the weather changing? Actually, that's interesting. We, we don't help with that, but we know that for kids under one, they shouldn't be on a bike. They shouldn't be in one of those seats. It has to be a kid over age one. We do a lot of programs though with helmets. We have a lot of, um, our helmet season just began this month, and we're going strong right. throughout the summer. Where people can get a free helmet. Again, if they call 311, we have events all over the city, weekdays, weekends, Saturdays, Sundays, and you just have to be there to get your helmet. Um, for a child under age 18, a parent or a legal guardian has to sign the waiver form. But we have wonderful helmets and available to everyone. And when you go to one of our helmet events, you're going to learn, you know, why it's so important to use a helmet and how to get that fit correctly. Yeah, it makes me a little bit crazy as both a parent and just as a citizen when I see kids wearing helmets but not having them buckled. I'm like, what, yeah. what is the point? <laughs> it's Exactly. We right. see that, you know, whenever anyone, we see it here, we all cringe and really right. want to go, you know, stop that person on the bike and go and uh, and fit their helmet for them. But you come to one of our helmet fittings, um, and we expect to give out, I would say, at least 25,000 helmets this wow. summer or this helmet season starting now and going through through October. Good for um, you guys. Good for and, you. And, you know, there are many of them, different times of day, so people just can look at the DOT website to find out or call 311. The other, uh, one of the other um, events that or um, suggestions, so to speak, for parents on the website um, which is safekids.org. There's a link for parents that comes up with, you know, different ideas, et cetera, of how you can participate in Safe Week, Safe Child, uh, Safe Kid Week. And it mm-hmm. says, hosting an international walk-to-school day event. And I saw that, and I said, that is genius. Do people do that? We do it. Um, across the city, we have walk-to-school events, and we walk-to-school week is in the, the first week of October. Right. And we do many programs with um, schools across the city where we really encourage people to walk more. We encourage families to walk together. And, of course, being DOT, safety education, to be safe pedestrians um, is, you know, our our primary focus of all right. of our walking programs. Well, I, first of all, I thought that that was just an incredibly, like, creative idea. But also, teaching pedestrian safety to Manhattanites has to be a very difficult job. Well, yes, it is, because <laughs> we know here that New Yorkers, if there's like a, a nanosecond gap in traffic, they want to cross. Right. <laughs> um, and But we work very hard to talk to people about how to stay safe when they're crossing. And really, we know that people aren't always going to cross at, a, at the signal. We know that sometimes signals aren't working. We know sometimes intersections are blocked. 
we, basically we know that drivers don't always do what we expect them to do. So our pedestrian safety training really teaches people the skills they need to know how to cross safely in all sorts of adverse conditions um, on the street. So, you know, it's not just like when when I was a kid, we had we learned that little rhyme, you know, cross at the green, not right. in between. But we know that we can't do that in New York City. Our traffic and people are different here. And so, you know, that's our goal is to teach them what do you need to do to make a safe decision when it's time to cross. And, and, and I mean, even for people, obviously, who don't live in Manhattan but or in the five boroughs and live outside of New York, there are events going on in your neighborhoods as well. You can go to safekids.org. And there's a link on the side that says in your area, and you can find out who the uh, coalition leader is in your area and tap into those events. And by the way, if I have to imagine if somebody shows up to one of your health, uh, your um, helmet safety opportunities, even if they live, you know, in Long Island, nobody's yeah. going to get turned away for a helmet. No, no <laughs> one gets turned away. We have when we do them in Manhattan, we get tourists, you know, like these French and Italian and wherever they're from, Spanish tourists and they're like so happy because our helmets are very unique. They're designed just for us. So it's the New York City helmet. So they've got this wonderful souvenir that they bring home with them. So yeah, we don't ask where you're from. That, you can just come and get it. That's that's amazing. I like that a lot. Anyway, Marjorie, I don't want to take up more of your time. I know that you have a lot of scheduled uh, events today. Marjorie Marciano, again, the Deputy Director of Safety, Education and Outreach for New York City's Department of Transportation. You must have one big business card, by the way. That's very true, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the leader of New York City's Coalition for Safe Kids. I appreciate very much you taking the time to join us. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Bye. You're listening to That's Life here on the Nahum Siegel Network. I am Miriam L. Wallach, joined by our second guest, who's a returning guest, actually. He is uh, someone that we should all be keeping tabs on, because this is not the last, the first, the second or anything that we have heard from Yaakov Hawk. Yaakov Hawk is an all-round teen do-gooder and philanthropist. He is uh, calling us in the middle of the school day from DRS out on Long Island, uh, ready to discuss his next project and what his future, his imminent future, holds. Hello, Yaakov. Hi, Marianne. How are you? Thank God. I am well. Thanks for joining me. I, I don't want to know what cu- class you're cutting. It's totally not my business, but you're a senior. It doesn't matter. Um, but let's talk for a second. You're doing Bike for Friendship. Yeah, so Bike for Friendship is an insane bike trip, bike ride journey, I guess. And it's a cross-country bike trip from San Diego to New York. It's about 3,300 miles. That's really far. I just, <laughs> I mean, I'm cringing as you say this. And when you say, when you say bike trip, it really is a journey. Like if I'm going around the, the neighborhood on a bike, that, that's enough of a trip for me. But this is, um, this is an endeavor. This is a journey. Yeah, it's definitely a journey, an adventure, and it's not just a bike trip. But it just becomes like a story after a while. Right. Because it, at some point it just stops being that you're just riding and stops being that you're just doing it for fun and things happen. You get hit by a car, you get flat tires, and then it really just becomes more than just a bike ride. Yeah, I, I will hope that you avoid the whole getting hit by a car thing um, or a moose or anything else you're going to pass through from San Diego to New York. What route do you take? So actually, first of all, the getting hit by a car thing already did happen. It happened a couple weeks ago. <laughs> okay, I'm not laughing at you. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, you're okay, though, right? Thank God. Thank God. I went to the hospital. I was okay. My bike didn't survive the crash, but wait a minute. Were you the were you the were you the bike on Peninsula and like Franklin? No, this happened in Florida during Pesach. Oh, because I was going to say if the only thing that I saw the remnants of that accident, if it was just the bike, then thank God. Okay, but you were you got hit in Florida. 
Yeah. Okay. Can't take you anywhere. Um. So you were. Can I just. Can I just know what happened there? So I was going down a bike lane, and a van turned into the bike lane. Oh my gosh! But you're okay. Thank God. Thank and you're. God. We- and you were wearing your helmet. Of course, you can't ride without a helmet. See, this is just piggybacking over our conversation we just had with our first guest, Marjorie, who was talking about helmet safety because it is Safe Kids Week, and she was talking about how helmets are being given out at different uh, appropriate locations to anybody who comes, and then they teach you how to put on your helmet, et cetera, et cetera. So you can attest to the fact that you shouldn't be on a bike without a helmet. I promise it's there's just no, nothing good that could come out of it. <laughs> that is that is 100% true. So thank God you were okay with that. So, and from that little experience. So I guess when you go from San Diego to New York, you don't have to repeat that. Hopefully not. <laughs> so what, are you, what else besides your helmet um, do you take with you on such a long journey? Um, a lot of protein bars, uh-huh. a lot of granola bars, and a lot of water. Right. How many people are you, you riding with? I think there's going to be 10 guys that are doing the whole cross-country trip. Oh, my gosh. There's about 10 women doing the women's trip, which is from Miami to New York. And then there's also a teen trip at the end of the summer, which I helped start last year because my parents wouldn't let me do the big ride. Right, right. That's how we. That's how we started. That's how you and I started. That's funny. So there are. T- how long have you been training for this? I've been training since January at least. January was the nicest month so far this year. Yeah. January was nicer for riding than this April. Yeah, I I concur. I concur. Not from a not from a cyclist point of view, but just from a New Yorker who's bitter about the weather point of view. There's um. There are 3,300 miles that you are going to cover. How much have you – what's your longest distance that you've logged so far? The longest distance that I've logged was two, was two Sundays ago, and that was to Montauk Point, which is the tip of Long Island. And that was in a 119-mile bike ride. Oh, my word. I was about to say, I know where Montauk Point is. How long did that take you? It was seven hours and nine minutes on the saddle, to be exact. Oh, you did it straight? There were a couple of breaks along the way. Who did who did you go with? I went with my friend and fellow rider Eagle Saperstein. Eagle Saperstein, that's also a familiar name. So you former go, student of yours. I correct? was about to say former student. Okay, now I'm a hundred. Okay, fine. Um, but enough about me. So you guys left Lawrence or Cedarhurst or Woodmere or wherever it was, and you went straight to Montauk Point. Exactly. How'd you get home? Please don't tell me you 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 rode home after that. There's a train, and it only goes twice a day, so. We just made the 7.33 train. Oh, my gosh. And if not, we would have had to wait till the next morning. Oh, my gosh. Did you have contingency plans? No. <laughs> okay, at the end of the day, you really are a high school senior. Um, that's hysterical. So tell me how um, people sponsor you, and then the and then the proceeds are, uh, you know, obviously everything that is raised goes to... Friendship Circle, which helps children with special needs around the country. Yeah, Friendship Circle started out, um, I mean, I'm not as familiar with it, obviously, as you are, but it started out small and has really gained traction. Yes, yeah, so their flagship uh, point was in Detroit, where they started their first Friendship Circle, and they really built it into, like, a whole complex over there. But then they started Friendship Circle chapters across the country, and now it helps over 10,000 children every year. That's unbelievable. How? What was the inspiration for it starting or in, in Detroit? You know, was, I, I, again, I don't know enough about it, and... I don't know that our listeners know are, are as familiar with it as they might, as they possibly could be. So, uh, do you do you know how it started? Yeah. So, actually, a local Chabad house in Detroit decided that they wanted to do something more for the community, so they started Friendship Circle out of their Chabad house. Wow! It's... Help children with special needs in their community. Help reach out to the community, and not just help the Jewish community, 
but help the community at large and help the entire world. So it's not, it is not just a Jewish children's um, organization? Not at all. In, the five, in a community like the Five Towns by us, it's mainly, it mainly helps the Jewish community because it's a mainly a Jewish community here. But in most, in most of the Friendship Circle chapters, it's really, it just helps everybody. It doesn't matter what race you are, if, what religion you are. They really are just there to help everyone. That's fantastic. That's really, really fantastic. And how many, um, how many of your friends from either GRS or from the neighborhood are involved with you in the Friendship Circle? So between Bike for Friendship riders, Friendship Circle volunteers in West Hempstead and the five towns, I just have way too many friends to count that are involved in this. There's just, it's such a great organization. There's so many ways to volunteer, so many different programs, especially out of the five towns Friendship Circle, that anybody that wants to volunteer could easily volunteer. If you don't have so much time, you could do one of the monthly programs. If you do have a lot of time, you could do one of the weekly programs. They have a camp at the end of the summer. They really just offer so many opportunities for kids to get involved and to really just, like, help the parents of the special needs kids with, with stress by giving them a little break and help the kids with special needs have time to just relax, have fun, and be in a great environment. You know, I have to tell you, Yaakov, there are plenty of people who get involved in organizations and then their involvement is, you know, can be extensive, but isn't as extensive as riding 3,300 miles in support of that organization. How, I mean, can you express just how much Friendship Circle means to you or what kind of an impact it had on your life that you're willing to ride cross-country on a bike? When I started volunteering for Friendship Circle, I actually went to my friend once a week at his house for an hour, an hour and a half, and it's just a really great relationship that you build. And once you have that relationship, that's something that lasts. I actually, that was in West Hempstead, and then I moved to the Five Towns, and then he moved to the Five Towns a couple months later. And it's just like you build these relationships, you build this affinity to the organization, and it's something you know and you believe in, and it's an organization that many organizations waste money on paying people to do things. Friendship Circle is 95% volunteer-based, and it really just does such a great job helping the kids, helping the kids that need help, and helping in a way that doesn't, like, that doesn't take away from the kids. Like, when... It, when a special needs child has an aid that comes to them. It's not the same as a friendship, something that really helps you and you really feel and really makes you happy. It's not something just to keep you occupied. It's something that really just makes the children happy. That's, that's, that is really quite beautiful. Um, anybody who wants to sponsor Yaakov, tell me, Yaakov, how do they do that? You could go to sponsor.bikeforfriendship.org. Backslash Hawk. I know that's like a mouthful right there. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Or you could visit my blog, and I'm going to keep people updated on the trip. It's called thebikingbird.tumblr.com. The Biking Bird? Yes. Why? My last name happens to be Hawk. Oh, all right. That's true. That's true. All right, now I get it. Now, it, By the way, it makes a lot more sense now. Thebikingbird.tumblr.com. Anybody who is looking to um, really give to an organization that seems to go the extra mile both for the participants and for those people that, whose lives they touch. This is the organization for them. Yaakov, before I let you go back to class, or, you know, you just don't go back to class, completely up to you, um, let, let's, uh, let's get an update. Last time we spoke, Yaakov Hawk did not know where he was going to college. He didn't know where he was going in Israel, but I have a tip that he has a lot more direction now. Fill us in. So next year I'm going to Yeshiva Chalavim in Israel. Nice. And then afterwards, I'm going to YU Honors. Yay. That's fantastic. YU Honors. That is not, by the way, given out to everyone. That's why it's called YU Honors. It's a full scholarship, correct? Um, not full, but very close to full. Very close to full. And um, I'm sure that our, many of our listeners know that Rivka Abbey 
uh, former host, or I should say right now guest host of our show Teen Spirit is also, she's going to Stern Honors. And um, for those people who appreciate just how amazing Rivka is, if somebody like Yaakov has also been worthy of and, and been given the opportunity to attend YU Honors, you can get a just a glimpse to how great he is as well. So, Yaakov, thank you so much for joining me. Continued Hatzlacha. I hope, by the way, that you will be on a little bit before, like right before your, your travels, right after, or even if you want to call in from Lord knows wherever you will be. Uh, during. When does it start, by the way? The trip, I'm flying out to San Diego, I believe, June 14th. June 13th, actually. June 13th. And then this is the part you're going to love. We get back August 4th. Guess what day my flight to Israel for the year is? August 5th. Good, good call. Oh, your parents are such good people. That is, I, is it really going to, I mean, it's a two-month ride? It's seven weeks, yeah. Wow, your parents are amazing. So basically you're packing now? I'm going to try to finish up the trip early. I'm, try, I'm going to double over miles the last two weeks, I think, some of the days. But that's the intended day to get back. Okay, that's well, the... let me just tell you right now, I promise you right now, on August 5th, you will sleep the entire flight. That is just like, I, and I hope you use that, um, those uh, crazy socks, those, um, oh, gosh, what are they called? The ones that runners use. The, the Oh, shoot, I can't remember what it's called. But you know what I'm talking about? They help you recover, your legs recover after a run. I don't. Oh, but. you know what? I just bought them. I don't know why the word is slipping. That's like something I should look into, though. Yeah, you should definitely look into it. I don't know that it helps runners, but Lord knows your your legs and getting on a plane. Uh, I'm thinking that a you're going to sleep without the Tylenol PM, and b you might cramp a little bit. So uh, definitely look into those socks. But yeah. Y- but Yaakov, I hope you'll call us during the summer so we can get an update. Of course, I'll definitely try. I just want to apologize that the blog hasn't been updated really during training, but it will be updated during the summer daily. Okay. And you'll really get a glimpse of what it's like to ride a bike cross-country. I am very much looking forward to incorporating that into the show and giving people updates as they, as you ride and they listen to me. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Pleasure, Yaakov. Take care. You too. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. You're listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am Miriam Wallach, joined by our third and final guest. And uh, continuing with uh, Kids Week, or I should say our thematic kids show today, we are highlighting one of the two winners of the National Bible Contest that took place on Yom Mode in Israel. Jessica Steinberg is the Culture and Lifestyle Editor at Times of Israel. If you're not familiar with Times of Israel, you should go on their website. It's a phenomenal newspaper. I use that word newspaper in quotation marks because it is only online. It is not a print paper, um, but it is phenomenal, covering everything having to do with Israel, and it is really a phenomenal, quote-unquote, publication. I still like to call it in those terms. Um, after covering Israel's business and economic scene for Bloomberg News and Dow Jones and the Jerusalem Post and the Forward, Jessica has been writing about Israeli life, fashion, culture, and parenting for the New York Times, the International Herald Tribune, Women's Wear Daily, Tablet, JTA, Hadassah, and Parents.com. She comes to us from Jerusalem. Hello, Jessica. Hello. How are you? Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, good, uh, I should say good evening because that's, uh, or good night at this point. Depending on okay, so we're just heading into evening here. We're just heading into the evening hours. Right, exactly. And, um, you know, we got a, uh, this is, I mean, this is not what you usually cover, but I presume you heard the same way I got my AP uh, alert on my iPad that uh, right. that the Israeli Air Force had, had just taken down a Hezbollah drone that was uh, over Israeli airspace. It's never dull around here, as you know. <laughs> Always something happening. Yeah, you know, I have to tell you, though, with everything that's been going on here, 
Um, it's, yeah. You know, I, I appreciate Hegel's visit for whatever it is, and we can talk about that another day. But um, I was a little bit surprised to see this alert, not because the Israeli Air Force isn't always active and isn't always protecting Israeli skies, but because I really want to know who gave Hezbollah that drone. It would be interesting to know. Um, I'm sure we'll be hearing about it in the days to come. Yeah. I'm sure of that. Right. The, uh, you know, it's just the tip of the iceberg, unfortunately, just the tip of the iceberg. But let's talk about this. Let's talk about this incredible story. You wrote this piece called The Boy Who Beat Incredible Odds to Win the Bible Quiz. And it's a it's a tongue in cheek title because clearly there are a tremendous amount of odds for anyone who enters the Bible contest. Right. Right. Very, very, very competitive you know, quiz, we call it, contest in its 50th year. Um, really only the kids who have gone through different quizzes locally, you know, on a regional level, even get to this level. So you really need to know your stuff to even, you know, to even become a contestant in the quiz. And, and, LEO, and so this year, which was a complete anomaly, there were two, there was a tie. There were two first place right. winners. There was Yishai, right. Yishai Eisenberg from the United States. He comes from New Jersey. And there was Elior Babian. Am I pr- I'm pronouncing his last name? Yes, that's exactly how you pronounce it. Excellent. And, right. and Elior had, I mean, to, to talk about incredible odds, he had his own personal struggles, familial struggles, everything that he had to get through. Can you talk to us about that? Right. Sure. Um, so basically, the story came to me by way of, well, a, a few different a few different directions. Um by way of uh, a Knesset member, Dove Lipman, who I'm sure you're familiar with, sure. uh, who lives in Beit Shemesh and who is familiar with the family, and by way of another rabbi in the community. Um, and they wanted to make us aware of the story because it, it's just so phenomenal. Basically, Elior, who is number two among five brothers, um, the Babian family, they've just had to deal with incredible struggles. Elior himself, who's 16 was diagnosed with schizophrenia two years ago. And as you can imagine, that's been quite a struggle for him and for his family. It basically came by way of depression and anxiety, and they ultimately came, came out with this um, diagnosis a couple of years ago, and he's been, he's been having treatment. But all throughout, he's been this incredible Tanakh scholar, this incredible Bible scholar, who just loves sitting and studying the Tanakh. Wow. He he knows it backwards and forwards. And in many ways, his parents said to me, it really helped him through this period where when he was sick. Um, on top of that, he has, so like I said, he's one of five brothers. His oldest brother and the brother beneath him, who's 12 and a half, are both, um, both have a hereditary disorder that essentially is through the pituitary gland, and they have elements of dwarfism in their system, Unbelievable. Um, and they have to take very, very expensive uh, growth hormones to deal with that. He has another brother who's on the special needs spectrum. That's the 10-year-old brother, and their youngest brother, who's five, does not seem at this point to have any issues. Right. I think you, I, th- I think you wrote yeah. something like that his mother refers to him as fine. Okay. Yeah. Fine. And okay. She, she wasn't even saying it tongue-in-cheek. She really just meant, you know, this is... <laughs> Right. You know, it's a blessing, and it's, you know, their final, you know, a hope that they would have one son who did not have any issues. Right. right. Um, she is originally from Iran. Shula Babian came here when she was, came to Israel when she was 18, 19 years old. 
and is married to Aharon Babian, the father, who is a 48-year-old man. He's a Hebrew studies teacher. He does not have a college degree, and he's been a substitute teacher his whole life in the Beit Shemesh school system, but unfortunately not extremely successfully. Mm. And uh, really, they and she is a caregiver to seniors, um, doing a lot of heavy lifting. She happens to have a kipsis and a hand issue right now, so she can't work. And they are just, they are having incredibly tough times, and this has been going on for years. They're obviously known by the welfare um, ministry. Um, They get, they definitely get certain things covered in terms of health care, but not enough. And a few years ago, Aaron Babian, the father, he just felt that he had no other choice but to go ask for Saka, to go ask for donations. Um, which is not, he said it was the hardest thing he's ever done and something he never in a million years dreamed he would do. Right. But he just was never making, forget paying the rent and putting food on the table, he just he couldn't even afford all the medication because it didn't all get covered. And that, in a nutshell, is what they've been dealing with. Nabuch. I, I, can't, I can't imagine how you have all of that responsibility, burden, uh, you know, uh, whatever the right word is, and still get up right. in the morning. And this picture of them um, that is on, that, that accompanies the piece is, I mean, right. you look at Elior, and he, there's such pride in his eyes, and you look at Aaron, and he is beaming. And you look at the mom, and she's like, this is my son. I mean, I can only imagine the pride that they are feeling that they probably have not felt in a very long time. Well, that's exactly it. They, um, you know, that's what really, that was one of the aspects of it that was just so moving is that they were able to talk about, she especially, Shula, the mother, was able to talk about just how proud she is of him. Right. How, you know, in spite of everything that's going on, and perhaps because of everything that's going on, he... We all find our own escapes in different ways. And Elior finds his, finds his escape in learning. Um, and, of course, there are teachers in his school who really recognize this ability. Uh, one Rav in particular in his school and for the last six months has really been sitting with him, you know, and going over everything, you know, detesting him and helping him. And they feel that without him, he really would not have been able to do it. Um, but beyond that, it's just this, this sense of there might be some very basic things that they will that they will benefit from as a result of his win, yeah, free university tuition, uh, perhaps switching schools, perhaps getting more help. I was sitting there thinking, you know, let's get some money raised for them and let's help them find better jobs. So there That's was at all possible. There's a um, I saw somewhere that root funding somebody had started yes, a fund yes. for them. So on someone funding. immediately read the article. And started a root funding campaign. It's rootfunding.com slash campaign slash beyond dash family dash fund. Yikes. If you go to the Times <laughs> of Israel art article, it's also there in the comments below. Right. That, that's where I read it. Okay. Yeah. I see it yeah, now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, honestly, if you just Googled Bobby on family root funding, it, it would come up. It'll pop up. Um, but Kola Kavod, Kola Kavod to you. Sorry, yeah. No, I was going to say just Kola Kavod to you that this article sparked that, and so immediately that's number one. And number two, I mean, 
This is like this is we've talked about this before here on That's Life. We've had philanthropists on. We've had people talk about the, the not only the importance of giving staka, but also how to give and how to receive. And this is this is what makes us go. This is the Jewish spirit. Right. Right. I mean, that was obviously part of the idea that um, people could read this article and pass it around to their communities. Obviously, here, you know, I live in Jerusalem, here in Jerusalem, here in the, in the Anglo community, in the Israeli community. I mean, it's really getting read all over. And people are talking about it. People are talking about it two days later. I, I think it's two days later. Maybe it's even three days later but, since I wrote it. And uh, I'm talking about, well, what can you do to help a family like this? They're not the only family out there like this, obviously. And they've, they're getting this publicity because of Elior's phenomenal win. Um, but this is a kid also who, I, I'll tell you, this, I don't put this in the article. He was sitting there when I was interviewing them. He was sitting there for a little while, mm-hmm. and it, well, he was yawning the whole time. Oh. It's like he's exhausted. Oh. He is exhausted from the wind, from the hubbub, from his, his, you know, from his sickness, which obviously is still very much right. you know, there and, and something he's dealing with. Right. And he's only 16. Oh, yeah. You know, he's only a 16-year-old kid. And something else that just impressed me about them so much, and I had been a little bit wary about going to do this interview because you don't know quite what you're going to be met with when you walk to someone's home. Right. Um, is, are, you going to be, are you going to feel sympathetic toward them or not? Mm. What, kind of, what kind of situation is this? And uh, I just felt with Aaron and Shula that they just had tons of bad luck. Mm. Every single difficult thing that could happen has happened. And they both talked to me about what they would like to do work-wise. Aaron feels a little bit stymied by his age and the fact that it's not easy to start over when you're 48. Right, fair. Uh, Shula would like to be a kindergarten teacher aide, which is uh, something that that seems like it would be doable, but, but, um, but she does have this health issue right now. And they don't want to be going around asking for money. Right, of course. But at not. the same time, it's not as if they can earn a lot of money, and they have a lot of debt. They have many tens, possibly hundreds of thousands of shekels of debt. Oh, my word. Oh, my so word. So that is the situation of the Babian family. And obviously, we hope that the story doesn't die down no. after a couple of days. No. I mean, Lehefech, you would imagine that the, the, the more traction this story gets the more attention that it grabs, the better off right. this family will end up being. That is the hope. So, you know, really, if people could just pass it on and pass it on and share it all over the place right. and come up with ideas. They're, they're open. He literally is, Aaron gives out his phone number. He, um, and there's nothing that is fake or made up about this story. It is the real thing. They have all the necessary documents. Um, from all the various agencies that they do get help from. Like I said, it's just a very, very, very long string of terrible luck. You know, I, I, I don't mean to sound completely naive. By the way, um, just so, to check in, we're talking with Jessica Steinberg from Times of Israel in Jerusalem. We are discussing Elior Babian, who was one of the winners, the one who uh, came in first place, tied for first place, I should say, in the National Bible Quiz and the story, the, the, the saga of the Babion family, I guess is the best way to put it. Just as, right. as an American um, with a, I would say, naive understanding of socialized medicine, how is it possible that all of their medications are not covered? 
Right. So I certainly ask the same question. Um, you know, they, a, a lot is covered. Every single, you know, GP visit, um, everything is covered. But you do, there is a certain amount of copay, a small copay. It's not like it is in the States. But for instance, um, they, they take growth hormones, right. which are phenomenally expensive. Um, I don't know every every detail surrounding the their growth hormone intake. Uh, you know what? Why they take it? Should they be taking it? Right. I, I really, you know, that I don't know. I didn't. I did not get into that depth of the story, and I certainly could. Right, and I, um, ima- I imagine I imagine at some point though, in that initial conversation, it may be intrusive. They, you know, you don't want to make the Bobbians at all feel like they're on the defensive and and uh, right, right, yeah. And it is possible that it will come up now that they're that they're more that people are really paying att- more attention to them. Um, but for sure, the, with, with, I do know this about the hormones: they're extremely expensive. Mm. So there is a higher copay on that than there might be on antibiotics, which is you know you know something uh, or some you know there there are certain medicines that we call we call it the stall, the basket of medicines of medications. There are certain things that are a lot of things that really cost next to nothing. The more expensive medications, they just cost less because there is, you know, there there is a large uh, pay-in on the part of the state, but there is still a copay on the part of the patient. Right. Um, it's not. It's not I would free. imagine that that's expensive. Right. It's not free. You know, people. No, no, it's not free. You know, you watch enough Michael Moore documentaries, you think that you walk into a, a hospital and everybody's just handing you know, handing whatever you need over, you know, with a with a bow on it. But that's just not the reality. Right. I, mean, I can tell you know I can't talk about uh, the Netherlands, or, uh, but I can talk about Israel, and, and there is always it, it works. It works well. It's incredibly helpful. Um, it's there. They understand. But you know, there there are fees, right. and they're not. They're not non-existent. And his diagnosis of schizophrenia was recent. That was in the last two years. I'm not. I don't. It wasn't even two years ago. I think it was more like a year and a half ago. It was, in other words, two years ago, they started seeing these symptoms of depression and anxiety, um, and and he had already he had always been this, a, a Bible scholar kind of kid, a kid who just loved studying the Tanakh, loved learning. Um, but this anxiety came up essentially when he was becoming a teenager, which as I've grown to understand over the last couple of days, that can be fairly typical of schizophrenia. Um, And then he was diagnosed and had some hospitalizations, and there's been obviously a lot of therapy, and there's also been medications. And another thing that Shula, his mother, talked about, is that that's not so easy either in their community, which is a religious community. People don't, are not always understanding of schizophrenia as a disease. Right. You know, it's seen as one of those things that you want to shove under the rug, under the table. Therapy is not necessarily something that is talked about openly. Right. Um, it, it makes ADD and ADHD look like a Band-Aid. Like, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and the other thing is that they have extended family. But, no, I, it doesn't seem like anyone else is in such great shape either. So it's not like there's familial help there. Mm. But, you know, on the hand, their apartment... You know, clean as a whistle, eat off the floor. Good for them. Um, you know, uh, everything is spotless. Um, a well-cared-for home, a loving family. Something else that Aharon Babian, the father, was saying to me, which I, I mentioned in the article, I'm not sure it came through strongly, and that was that he said, we work, we have an incredibly stressful situation, but we also don't want to fall into a situation of divorce. 
Mm. We don't want to fall into the situation of our kids going out to foster care, God forbid. Oh, my gosh. In other words, just, they want to remain this intact family and, and, and their children should know how much they love them, and they don't want their kids to have the same issues that they do, which, of course, you wonder, well, how are you going to make that happen? Right. Unbelievable. Wow. So what, hard. What a story. I mean, that, I think if my heart wasn't broken until this moment, I think you just did me in just now. It's, it's what a horrific potential reality for any parent. I mean, just right. just the the ultimate the ultimate um the ultimate sacrifice or the ultimate you know, just devastating devastating moment. You know, we unfortunately I, we only have a, we only have a minute and Avrami's giving me that look of death, which, okay, which, okay. which always frightens me. I know I make you the bad guy. I'm sorry. Um it's just the way it is. But uh, just tell me on a positive note, tell me what what Bobby what um Elior's future looks like right now. So it looks like I imagine he'll get a uh, he'll get free tuition. He'll get a full scholarship to university. I imagine you know possibly like like a Bari line or something like that. Assuming his health remains uh, in good shape, he wants to continue to continue studying uh, Tanakh. That's where he wants. That's what he wants to continue doing. Right. Um, I know that there's been some interest from various schools about what would happen. I don't know what would happen with the army with him. I imagine. Mm not or right. some aspect of it, some kind of volunteer aspect, not necessarily the full thing. Right. Um, and, and really, like I said, what's, what's been so incredible is just to watch how all these different communities around the world are they're contacting me through Facebook and through different, and through this other, pla- the root funding platform. Right. People talking about this family and how they want this, this kid to succeed and this family to succeed. Wow. And that's going to be good for him. Yeah, well, I I hope that the that the global Jewish community hears their story, whether it's via the Times of Israel piece, via Facebook. I know that this is you know getting a lot of traction. The story is really getting out there, and hopefully via this show, we can get the Babians the help that they need. That'd be great, Jessica Steinberg. Thank you so much for joining me. Erev Tov to you, and I look forward to checking in again with you soon. Great, thanks. Take care. Take care. You've been listening to That's Life here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am Miriam L. Wallach. Thank you for making us part of your day. We have a crazy lineup today, and I mean that only in a good way. We have some programming changes, and we have a guest host. So listen carefully. Right after this show, Randy Wartelski hosts something to talk about. She has um, uh, she has someone following her who we are not used to, Leora Zamek. Leora Zamek, daughter of famed, famed radio personality and contributor here at... Nachum Siegel, and on JM and the AM, she is hosting, she's guest hosting, I should say, Teen Spirit. She discusses choosing a school and spending a year in Israel. She interviews Mrs. Suzanne Cohn, the Director of Israel Guidance at Mayanot, and she also speaks to Rachel Mendelson and Ben Kaplan, who are recent returnees. Then at 5 p.m., it's Ellie Hagler hosting Jewish Reaction. The OU presents this week Penny Pazornik. She's the North American Associate Director of OU Birthright. And Scott Schulman, Program Director at OU Free Spirit. And they talk about the 48, I, I mean that seriously, 48 trips of OU Israel Free Spirit that they are sending to Israel on a free 10-day trip with Birthright. You should definitely tune in and listen to that. They are also being featured as part of the young and talented staff of the OU who are leaders of today and tomorrow. Following that, following that, you're going to hear Michael Fragan at 6 p.m. with Spin Class. That's right. You are not hearing the stunt show at 6 p.m. You'll be hearing Spin Class with Michael Fragan, followed by the Thursday Night Extravaganza, hosted by ZK this week as Nachum is off. And then 
Mark Zomick. It's a double dose of Zomick. Mark Zomick will be on at 8 p.m. with the stunt show, Book of Life with Charlie Harari, starting at 9. He has on matchmaker Aliza Ben Shalom. You can email Charlie with all of your relationship questions. Aliza will be addressing them, charlie at charlieharari.com. Then an encore of Teen Spirit with Leo Zomick, and then we close with an hour of Jewish Soul. Tomorrow morning, don't miss it. I am co-hosting J.M. and the A.M. tomorrow morning with Mayor Fertig. So if you'd like to listen in tomorrow, I definitely recommend it. And then at 9 a.m., table for two with Naomi Nachman. With uh, with you'll see the the you'll see these pastries. I mean, Naomi has pictures from the uh, from the bakery. She hosts. Um, what's Paul's last name? What's Paul's last name? Sparenza. Can you open that box? Open that box for a second. We'll do that quickly. Anyway, he owns this unbelievable bakery out on the island. What? what? <laughs> He's having trouble. Oh, yeah, you oh, Sapienza. Sapienza. Paul Sapienza from Sapienza Bakery joins uh, Naomi on the air tomorrow. She has taken pictures of what it looks like in his bakery, and frankly, frankly, I'm already fat. Don't forget, Saturday Night Seagull hosted by Avrami with a Lagba Omer special. 10 p.m. Matze Shabbos. This show will be rebroadcast on Sunday at 1 p.m. Thanks to all of my guests. Thanks to Avrami. For tolerating me again this week. I am closing with a little AKA Pella. I heard this song last night. I really liked it. Um, and uh, it made me laugh. It made me laugh, but in a very good way. So we are listening to Move Like Neely Mealy. It's just even a funny title. I think I like saying it. Anyway, that's life, everybody. Enjoy Safe Kids Week. Bye, guys.